The object of the ellipse within science fiction offers numerous ways to reimagine temporality outside of the confines of linear progress. Ellipsis Part 1, Time Knots, now published on Disclaimer, encourages us to imagine a more blended temporality and perhaps to even actualize new times. You're listening to the Liquid Architecture Podcast. Today, Daniel Jenesh talks through the expansion of his universe, The Close World, the effects of working with the program GPT-3 to generate dialogue, and his relationship to science fiction. Daniel Jenesh combines hyper-detailed soundscapes, music, and video to create multimedia documentaries, installations, radio pieces, and performances. Reaching back into the research of a now little-known professor, William A. Bill Martin, a computer scientist who worked on early natural language processing at MIT in the 1970s called OWL, One World Language, Yanash has expanded his universe of the close world. OWL was based on the philosopher Wittgenstein's theory of knowledge that one meaning of any concept in language is linked to the totality of all other concepts. A singular and mysterious figure in computer programming, Janash reformulates some of Martin's methods, presenting a creative fiction about Martin as a traveller between this world and the establishment of Al and the close world. Written in collaboration with an AI trained by Janash, the methods of production of this work become a form of time travel, blurring artistic, scientific, artificial and historical voices. My name is Daniel Yenach. I'm an artist working across music and installation and also video and anything I can kind of get my hands on. I've always loved sci-fi. I didn't read much for most of my life until a friend was kind of traveling through Berlin where I was living when I was about 23 or 24 and um, yeah, left the Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge at my house, which is a Philip K. Dick book. And um, yeah, since then I've just started reading as much as humanly possible <laughs> from that time on. This is the first time I've made a kind of science fictional work. I've kind of avoided it because I wanted to keep it just as this uh, side thing. But yeah, here we are. <laughs> the piece for Disclaimer, it's called The Door. It's a part of a series of works called The Close World. And it was presented for the first time in 2021 um, at UNSW Galleries, part of the John Fries Award. It was one story amongst five in that presentation. So initially it was an installation with animatronics and for disclaimer I've presented it as an audio piece with subtitles and an intro video. It also links out to other things as it's playing. Secret key. How do I find the secret key? She yelled. 
I must identify self to gain entry into the portal, she said, breathing and sighing. You found me, she said in disbelief. You must have been looking for me all along. And between each despairing question, I heard the sound of cryptic messaging coming from the control mechanism of a large computer. Thank you for visiting us and please come back if you ever need anything. Except the heart. The title, The Close World, it came from a typo in one of the programming language texts that I'd fed the machines. The typo kind of got fed back to me through the whole process. Usually in programming languages for logic, there's open world programming languages and closed world programming languages. The main concern for me is how language and communication is changing. Like I have this sense that it's kind of like difficult to articulate in words. And I was, I was hoping with this work that I could try to like articulate it. So I find myself really stumped for words when I try to actually talk about what it was actually about. But the feeling is like the status of language is changing. And yeah, sci-fi and fantasy has always been a kind of good way to um, explore the effects of our changing environment on ourselves. The way that this work was written, basically, I took a few texts from philosophy of language and programming languages, and I took some science fiction and fantasy and trained a natural language processor with these two kind of sets of texts and used them to generate the initial kind of storyline and built on it after that. The way that I made the work is also relating to this change that's happening in language. So, I, I, you know, I was using the same tools that are potentially changing the status of language. So I was using these natural language processing engines to, to write the work. And it's also meant to be about the change that may occur with the use of those technologies. In building the work, I kind of gave up a lot of control by having it kind of partly written by these things. I wasn't, you know, working very scientifically with it. I was using a few different natural language processes. So I used um, GPT-3 when I had access to it and initially started with GPT-2.5 and was also using this other commercial one called um, AI Dungeon, which is a kind of fantasy role-playing game engine that's built on GPT-2.5. The process was I fed it these initial texts on programming languages and philosophy of language and also some science fictional texts and some fantasy texts. 
and I would start having conversations with it and see what came out. And when there was something that kind of sparked my interest, I would feed that back into the engines again to see what that would generate. And it would kind of built up from there kind of conversationally, but yeah, with a lot of my kind of taste being part of that. <laughs> Initially, especially working with GPT-3, uh, it was quite frustrating because it tends towards really normative and kind of safe avenues. I found it really hard at first to get anything interesting out of GPT-3, whereas the earlier versions, you get some really random stuff coming out of it and it's really quite interesting. I think the, the most interesting thing I found with it was knowing the material that I, I had given it, you can kind of sense how it comes out, but it, it's quite hard to to see any like specific references, but you can kind of feel them. So basically anytime there's a specific reference to anything, it's because I put it in back into the text basically. Um, but with the presentation on disclaimer, I was trying to feel through these kind of reference points that may or may not be there. I was kind of trying to do like an archaeology on what GPT-3 sort of had given me and trace it back to the sources a little bit. It generates sentences basically through finding kind of the most statistically likely continuation of, of any phrase. So it takes into account everything that you already give it and tries to find a kind of common continuations. So it rarely references anything specific because it tries to find this very middle ground between everything. At a certain point when I was writing this work, I completely lost track of who had written what because, yeah, I'd kind of gone through this process of feeding the the language process of these texts that are really meaningful to me too um, and, and then having them kind of reprocessed and spat out to me um, and then picking up what I found interesting and feeding it back in. I'd kind of really lost any sense of where the, the beginning and the the end was as a series of works that is really heavily referencing science fiction and fantasy. These works don't kind of manage to, to do anything kind of narratively because they are kind of eating their own tail through the process. It's kind of impossible to build a narrative without that kind of authoritative voice being really heavily placed onto it. So there's kind of no beginning or end with them. 
I was mainly picking things from science fiction and fantasy that dealt really heavily with language. And on the other side of things, I kind of found this group of programmers who were heavily referencing philosophy. So, yeah, I was kind of trying to find these kind of closed loops in in those materials. I definitely don't think that technology itself has empathy, but it is able to to generate things that can be quite moving and beautiful without much intervention. You know, and it's hard not to feel connected to something that is kind of making you have feelings, whatever they, they might be. Yeah, so I feel like we're in an interesting kind of crossroads at, at the moment because at the moment, like, most of these technologies aren't that good but we're going into a time when i'm sure they'll get more sophisticated and make some really beautiful works themselves it's not really making decisions um and you you know you can sort of change with the settings so it can get more random at points but those random points tend to be more like divergences rather, rather than kind of like if you have a character for example and you set the random temperature up it'll just sort of change the character into someone else doing something else. At the moment, it's kind of a statistics game, I think. But also so is the weather, you know? <laughs> it's like the, the weather's just as random, if not more random, and just as beautiful, so. <laughs> The Close World by Daniel Jenash is published alongside works from Claire G. Coleman, Lucretia Quintanilla, Demiano Bertoli, and Ben Rayner, as part one of Ellipsis, edited by Liang Luscombe for Liquid Architecture's online journal Disclaimer. 
find the link in our show notes. This podcast was produced by Mara Schretweger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognise that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organisation for artists working with sound and listening. You can support our podcast and online journal Disclaimer through a Patreon subscription for as little as $5 a month. Find the link in our show notes.